three, two, one. Welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast. I want to start out with this idea today. When we look at a lot of the so-called heroes of the Bible, we can often start comparing ourselves to what we've done and what they've done. And we can find out really quickly that we don't match up with them. We see all the good that they did and we think, I could never do any of that. And in Broken Heroes Part 2, we looked at Moses. And if you haven't heard it yet, I really recommend you check that out before listening to this one. But we saw Moses, this, this great leader who led the Israelites out of Egypt. The thing was, when we looked at whole, all of Moses' story, we quickly forgot that he was an outcast in his own home. Now, just like Moses, in part three, we're going to be discussing another person who may not be the typical person you think of when you hear the words broken hero. Now, I'm someone who loves superhero movies. I love Marvel movies. I love DC movies. And if it has a superhero in it, uh, chances are I probably will love it. But my favorite superhero of all time is, of course, Batman. And my favorite superhero movie of all time is The Dark Knight. I mean, again, I love Batman. And and this movie, in my opinion, it's the best Batman movie out there. It's the best superhero movie out there, to be honest. And if you don't agree with me, I'd hate to say this, but you're you're living a lie. I mean, it is the best. And that's just what it is. But one of the lines in the movie is spoken by Harvey Dent. And this is probably my favorite line in the whole trilogy series of the Dark Knight movies. But the line is, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Now they are explaining this. This statement, what it means is that people can be a hero, but eventually they will do something that undoes everything good that they've done. Right before this, they were discussing... Julius Caesar and how at the beginning of his rule he was a he he was good he did a lot for his country but by the end of his rule they wanted to get rid of him because he never gave up power he became power hungry and while this is not exactly what I want to talk about today it does have to do with it but I'm going to get that into that later so keep that in the back of your mind Now, the person that I'm going to be talking about today is Simon Peter, and Simon started out as a simple fisherman. But as we see in the Bible, that changed really fast for him. You see his brother Andrew, he he took Simon to go meet Jesus, and this comes from John 1, 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And we see after this, Peter started to follow Jesus, and he became one of the first disciples. But Jesus, he chose to call Peter this name because of something we read in Matthew. It starts in Matthew 16, 13, and Jesus is asking his disciples some questions. Now, at this point, Jesus began his teachings, and the people knew of his presence. And Jesus is coming to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he starts asking his disciples questions. And the first question he asked goes like this. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And after this happens, the disciples respond. They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now here is the thing that relates to Simon Peter. Jesus says, But what about you? He asks. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. See, here we get an understanding of what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to get the disciples to understand that he was not what others said he was, but he was in fact the Messiah to come. And out of all the disciples, Peter is the one who spoke up. Peter is the one who understood who Jesus was, and this was a big deal. But don't forget a few key words in this passage. If we go back and read verse 17, we see that it was not that Peter was smarter than everyone else or wiser or that he had inside information on this specific topic. What we see is that God revealed this to Peter. It was nothing Peter did, but he was the one that was going to be the so-called rock that Jesus was going to build his church on. Now I'm about to skip back in Peter's story, but what you need to know is that Peter continued to follow Jesus. But what we see is that even this person who he proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah to come, even though Peter proclaimed that news, he still had his moments of struggle. Before Peter proclaimed this news, he had one of these struggle moments. It happened after Jesus fed the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, and Jesus instructed his disciples to get in a boat and go before him and cross the lake. And at some point in the night, the disciples see something coming towards them on the water, and they were scared. They thought a ghost was walking their way, but that's not what it was. Or rather, who it was. You see, it was Jesus. Jesus is walking on water towards them. And we can pick this up in Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? See, these two points in Peter's life are very different. The earlier part of Peter's life, when he was walking out on the water, we see Peter started out by getting out of the boat and taking a leap of faith. He had faith. He had faith that Jesus could make him walk on water. And it started out great. He was trusting him and he was doing it. He was walking on water. But then the doubt and the fear crept into his mind. It says that he saw the wind and began to think that Jesus could not protect him from it. His lack of faith caused him to start sinking. I I could just imagine how his face is changing. His faith begins to dwindle. 
and his fear begins to increase and take over his thoughts and it's no longer I have faith that Jesus can make me walk on this water. Instead, it becomes, can Jesus stop these winds from getting to me? And this is something that all of us can relate to, each and every one of us. When everything seems perfect, it's easy to follow Christ's commandments for our lives. But when the fear and the doubt start creeping in, that's when we don't trust Jesus as much. But just as this section of Peter's story Jesus will reach out his hand. He will reach it out to us and say, why don't you trust me? Why do you think I'm not in control? And you would think that after this experience, Peter would begin trusting Jesus more. And from what we read in Matthew 16, it looks like Peter has changed. He seems to know who Jesus is. I mean, he says Jesus is the son of the living God. And to say that is almost like saying, Jesus, I learned my lesson. I know who you are now. I I know what you came to do, and I trust you every step of the way now. And it appears that this is the direction his story is going to go. Because Jesus says to him that he's going to build his church with Peter leading it. But this isn't the end of Peter's story. Flash forward to the night Jesus was arrested. We see Peter sitting at the table with Jesus, and he's partaking in the Passover. And Jesus begins to explain to them, What is about to happen? That he's going to be arrested and killed. And this is where Peter comes into the story in Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And right here we see again, Peter's still not trusting Jesus. I mean, At face value, you may see this and say, no, Peter is trusting Jesus. He's saying, I'm not going to disown you. I'm not messing up this time. But he's still not trusting Jesus because Jesus said these words. And if one thing we know to be true in the Bible is that if Jesus says it, it is true. And so Peter is not trusting what Jesus is saying. He's saying you're wrong and that's not trusting him. And again, as I said, if Jesus says it, it's true and This instance, it's not any different. Right after this, Jesus and his disciples, they went to Gethsemane, and Jesus is praying about the up-and-coming hours and what is about to happen to him. And Judas comes and betrays him, and the guards seized him. And we see that the disciples, all of them, run away. And here comes the part where Jesus' words become true. Three different times, someone different walked up to Peter and asked if he was one of Jesus' followers. And three times, Peter said that he does not know him. Right after the third time, though, Peter hears the rooster crow. And Peter realizes that Jesus was once again right, and he was telling the truth. But how does Peter respond in this moment? It says in Matthew 26, 75, that he went outside and wept bitterly 
See, at this point, Peter was broken. He had failed Jesus. He thought there was no return from this because now Jesus was gone. And Peter wanted to be the rock that Jesus told him to be, but to Peter, it seemed like it was all over for him. This mistake, it was just too big this time. It was irredeemable. Now, if you just read the account that Matthew gives, that would be the last thing we hear of Peter. But that's not the end of Peter's story. If we go to the end of the book of John, we find Peter yet again. Now, a lot has happened since we last saw Peter. Christ has now risen again and was visiting different people through the land. And Peter, well, he went back to what he knew best. He went back to fishing. But in the final moments of the book of John, we see some of the disciples were out fishing and they were having no luck at all. Then all of a sudden, a stranger on the shore called out to them and tells them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat and they will find fish. And all these disciples were probably very tired and they were very skilled at the art of catching fish. They did it for a living. So they had to be thinking this guy was crazy. I'm tired. I just want to go home. And maybe they were saying, what's the difference between this side of the boat and the other side of the boat? It's not that big of a difference. But nevertheless, they did so. They took their nets and they put them on the other side of the boat and the nets got filled with fish so much that they couldn't bring their nets up. It was at that instant that the disciples knew who the stranger was on the shore. It was Jesus. And all these men wanted to bring the boat onto shore and go see Jesus except for one. Now one of them, they were so excited, they didn't want to bring the boat onto shore. They just jumped into the water and they started swimming towards the shore because this person, they couldn't wait any longer. He wanted to see Jesus. It didn't matter how long the swim was. In fact, the Bible says it was about 100 yards out. But this guy, he didn't care. He just cared about one thing. And that was Jesus. And this man, he happened to be Peter. And once the boat got to shore, the disciples took some of their fish and they ate them. And then here comes John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him, asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, there's so many things going on in these verses, and I know I can't get into all of them, but one thing that I think you need to get out of this, actually two things. First, in the original language, the word Jesus was using for love is agape love, which means sacrificial love. And Peter, well, he was using the word philia, which means a brotherly love or a love between close friends. And Jesus used the term agape love the first two times that he asked this question, but the third time he used the word Peter was using. Jesus was trying to show Peter what kind of love he needed to have for him. It wasn't a brotherly love. It was a love that would be shown by actions, not words. 
and a love where Peter would be willing to lay down his own life if it meant fulfilling the duties that Jesus had given him. The other thing that we can see in this passage has to do with the number three. That's three times Jesus asked if Peter loved him, which correlates to the three times Peter denied him. It doesn't go into specifics in this passage, but I can see the emotions on Peter's face when he realizes what is happening, when he realizes that Jesus wanted to hear him say that he loved him three times, just like how he denied him. He denied ever knowing him three times. And we can see Peter's answer here, saying, Jesus, you know I love you. You can look into my heart. You can look into my mind. You know that I don't want to be the person that I've been in the past. You know I want to love you with everything that I am. You can see that in me. And as the passage continues, Jesus says, Feed my sheep. Truly I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And at the end of this passage, we, we can get very confused very easily because it doesn't make sense. But what Jesus is talking about is he's foretelling Peter's fate. Jesus is talking about Peter's death, that he's going to die a martyr. Peter is finally going to do what he told Jesus he was going to do. What he promised Jesus the night when he was arrested. The promise that he would die for knowing Jesus. And to this, this is just so good news to Peter. Because he realizes that the act that he thought was irredeemable, Jesus redeemed on the cross. The act where Peter denied him, Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? Me dying on that cross? That's why I did it. Because I love you, Peter. And you couldn't redeem yourself. But I could. And that's not just Peter's story. That's all of our stories. We've all messed up. We've all been to the point where we think, I went too far. I, I can't come back from this. I'm irredeemable in Jesus. Just like he says to Peter. Says, no. Trust me. I got this. Just go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my lamb. Go and spread my name to the world. That's all you have to do. And that's why Jesus chose Peter to build his church. That's why Jesus built his church on Peter, the rock. He wanted to get that message across to Peter, saying, that's why I came. That's the real reason why I came. I didn't come to conquer. I didn't come to do any of that. I came to die so that you didn't have to. Earlier, I was talking about my favorite movie, my favorite line from that movie, the, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's not true here. That's not true with Jesus. Because with Jesus, you don't become the villain. We are meant to be the villain. We are meant to be broken and messed up. But Jesus says, no, you're not broken. I died on that cross so that you didn't have to. I died on that cross to put you back together. Just trust in me and spread my name. And that is our mission. That was Peter's mission. That we should trust Jesus. 
that we should love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and spread the good news of the gospel where Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again for us. That's the most important message. So when you think, once again, you've messed up so much and it's too, too late for you, remember that message and share the good news. This has been the Ecclesia Podcast, signing off.